Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're continuing our series called The Power of Worship, and today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Eradicating Idols, Empowering Worship. Let's let God speak to us by His Spirit. Let's go to the text. problem is that when we sin, we are becoming idolaters. We are putting our heart in a place where we're saying, I am the one that is important. I am the one on the throne, not Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, Christians can do that too. I'm not saying you're losing your salvation. i be clear on that. But I'm saying you can play king on your own throne and you become an idolater. That's pretty serious. The heart of the issue is that any sin or anything is about worship. Everything you do is about worship. Everything. Whether you, the decision is whether I will follow Jesus Christ and his will for my life or whether I will get on my own program and follow my own GPS and do it my own way. I'm telling you, you can worship Jesus Christ on your face before him today and go out and worship yourself all afternoon. It's that easy. And that's what happened to these people who saw God's miraculous power do amazing things and five minutes later they were cranking about something else. You're like, that would, that would never happen to me. Don't say never. Well, how do believers end up there? How do we end up back? How could these people end up as idolaters? Well, here's two things. Um, if you want to go to Psalm 78, you want to get a really great commentary on this text, go back to Psalm 78 later. I'm going to give you the cliff notes right here. Two things that lead people back to being idolaters. This is ways that we trip up and fall back. Two things. First, other people forgot Psalm 78, 11 says, they forgot, this generation, they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. Verse 42 says, they did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. They did not remember, they forgot, they forgot. Here's the second thing. Psalm 78, 22, they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Same chapter, verse 32. And in spite of all this, they sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. Let me tell you, forgetting and unbelief are two killers in your life. An appetite for idolatry is evidence of my forgetfulness and unbelief. When I have an appetite for sin, it's because I'm forgetting some things about God or I'm choosing not to believe him. Now, this shows up in our life. You might be like, well, go home. I love that church service. The worship was good. The preaching was tolerable. The bottom line was, I'm not sure if I can trust God to work in my marriage. I'm not sure if I can trust God to answer that request. I'm not sure if if God could really work in that person. I'm not sure if God could help me find a job. I'm not sure if God could um, help me grow through some sin areas. I'm not sure. That's unbelief. How do we get to unbelief? Well, it's because we forget. One of the things we believe in in small groups here is because you need people around you who remind you, hey, 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 Charles, don't you remember? Don't you remember when God answered that prayer for you two years ago and God God did a great work in your life? Don't you remember that? God can do that again. Don't you remember how God changed that person in your family and radically, I mean, they're totally different today. God could do that again. We forget, we forget. Uh, I think of it the older I get. I think we all think this. The older we get, the more we forget. The unbelieving, forgetful heart is extremely susceptible to idolatry. Now, I would say that that's never more true in our nation today. 
Sadly, we have forgotten some of the great leaders who followed the Lord, who had a heart for freedom. We don't got freedom just because some people happened to think it was a good idea. A lot of the basis for our legal system come out of, right out of God's word. Verse seven says, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, Paul is not describing a church picnic. Uh, What he's doing is he's giving cliff notes on a major event in the Old Testament. Now, Paul assumes that all the people that are reading this know what he's talking about. So he just kind of goes, oh, remember that? Remember that? And I realize that some of you are newer in the Lord, and you may be like, what is he talking about there? This must be important because they're getting up, they're eating, they're drinking, and they're playing. Okay, so are they playing soccer? What are they doing? Well, something we're going to be doing over the next couple of minutes is going back to some of these texts. And I want to encourage you, this is why I say it, I hope you're not just in 1 Corinthians for a year and a half. I hope that you're in God's word reading it from cover to cover. My desire on Sunday is just to wet your taste, being like, wow, I could get into God's word all week and learn even more. And that's true. And that's what I want for you. Okay, I want you in God's word. But we're going to go back a couple uh, to a couple passages. Once you turn way hard to the left in your Bible, uh, go right back to the beginning, Genesis, Exodus. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus uh, chapter 32. Uh, we're going to be looking at four events uh, that this generation, this unfaithful generation, uh, participated in. Now keep in mind, these people... This generation of Israelites had just left Egypt, had seen God do some amazing things. Moses was uh, up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. He was uh, conversing with God directly. Amazing things. But here's what happened with the people. Moses was up there for a while, and they're like, whatever happened to Moses? Moses still alive. Are we just going to stay here forever? So verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, that's unbelievable, Aaron, who had seen God, you look a couple chapters earlier, had quite an encounter with God himself. Now he's saying this. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. Wow. Seriously? And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord, Yahweh. Okay, so we're going to worship with a golden calf and confuse it with the God of, of Israel. Great. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And I'm going to tell you that word play is extremely, it's a loaded sexual term. Okay? So they basically... Sat down, had a nice meal, got drunk, and then had sexual orgies. 
Imagine how that made God feel. Here's what God's response is, verse 7. And the Lord said to the Moses, Go down, for this people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them, and they have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and consume them in order that I may make a nation of you. Now, Moses appealed to God, and God in his mercy did not consume them. However, now we're in our own world, in our lives. I must choose a life of idol chasing or Christ-exalting worship. You're going to have to choose that. The reality is you might be here today and you're like, yeah, well, that church is okay. It's a check mark. I'm here because my spouse drove me here. I'm here because of whatever. I'm going to tell you, your life, whether you like it or not, whether you choose it or not, you are choosing whether to follow idols or follow God. Your choice. Here's the first one. Idolaters, difference between idolaters and believers right here. Idolaters demand humanistic worship. Believers crave transcendent worship. Let me give you the difference between humanistic worship and transcendent worship. Humanistic worship is for people who want visible, comfortable, comprehensible, touchable, with my five senses, controllable worship. I want something that doesn't rattle my cage. I want something that makes me feel good. Tell me nice stories, Luke, so I feel good when I go home, and I have something nice to say to my spouse, and make me comfortable. Don't rock my world. That's humanistic worship. I want to make a God in my own image that makes me feel good. That's exactly what they did. Here's transcendent worship. There's those who cry for more. That's why I hope you're here today. Those who want transcendent worship want an awesome, living, all-powerful, uncontrollable, magnificent, glorious, eternal God of the universe. Amen. That's who Jesus Christ is. That's who God the Father, that's the Trinity right here transcendent, above us, uncontrollable, not something that can make me feel good, but someone that cares for me. That's the God of the universe. That's what Moses was after. But you got to choose. What do you crave? There's one difference, the type of worship. Then let's go on to verse 8 in Corinthians. Keep a finger uh, back in Exodus. People sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Then he says, well, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. Wow. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving him with our gifts and abilities. Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. Why don't you turn over to Numbers chapter 25. That's a little bit to the right of Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers 25. Again, God had revealed himself to these people. He had given them the law. These people knew what they were doing. Yet here's an example that Paul's referring to. Uh, Chapter 25, verse 1 says, While Israel lived in Shittim, 
the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. And these invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. The daughters of Moab invited the Israelites, especially young men, to make sacrifices to their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. Whoa, what? You've seen the raw power of the God of the universe and you're going to bow down to what? So the Israel yoked himself to the Baal of Peor, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. The Lord said to Moses, take all the chiefs of of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor. Verse 6, and behold... One of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The people were crushed over what was going on. Some of them were repenting and crying out to God. In the middle of that, one guy grabs a gal and runs uh, right past them. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber... They were both embracing each other and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague of the people of Israel was stopped. And it goes on. I want to tell you something. You're like, seriously, God's really ticked. Is God really like that? Um, That's because we have a perspective of worship that is so divorced from what God's perspective is. God is the God of the universe. And when we flaunt ourselves against God, um, God is holy. Now, that's a hard passage to read. I get it. But God is holy. Paul here is reminding the people how important it is to be pure, to be sexually pure. This is something the Corinthians struggled with. You know, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and I would say in our day, it's no different. Idolatry and perversity in sexuality go hand in hand. Sex is awesome if handled the way God intended only But ultimately, the way we approach sexuality is an expression of our worship to God or to ourselves. Sexuality is simply an expression of who we're worshiping. Then notice verse 9 in Corinthians. Paul says, We must not put Christ to the test. Yet another thing this generation did. As some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Hope you kept your finger in numbers. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 4. It says, From Mount Hor they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. Note, note that. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Are we there yet? <laughs> Can I get out of my car seat? I don't like the uh, vanilla graham crackers anymore. I want, I want chocolate animal crackers. I'm tired of this. Some people never grow up. Uh, but that did not go well with the Lord. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many of the people of Israel died. 
And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if the serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. That's God's mercy right there. I want to tell you something, if you've never heard this passage before. What's the most famous verse in all of Scripture? John 3.16. I want to read to you the two verses before John 3.16. These verses about the bronze serpent are actually a picture of the coming Christ. John chapter 3, verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is a picture of people in rebellion to God, hating and not following God, and yet God offered his mercy, and then Christ would later be lifted up in the same way on the cross for our salvation. I want you to notice, though, that the people, what does it say about the people, that they were impatient impatient. Jot this down. First, idolaters prioritize pleasure. Believers live for unseen glory. Then here, idolaters demand specific timing. Believers rest in providence. Some of you might be here today, and you're like, I want God to do some stuff now. I'm tired of waiting for that spouse. I'm tired of waiting for that job. I just want to be out of school. Can I get out of here? Can I get on with my life? Can't God give me a kid? Can't God get, get that kid out of here into college? Can't I get the kid out of college? I don't have to pay for college and get him onto a family. Can't God get my kid a spouse? Can't God get this, get this, get this? God, come on! I'm not saying that we don't feel urgency in some things, but you have to give that to God. God in his providence knows when he's going to do the things he does because he loves us. And sometimes he's working in us by not giving us what we want immediately or because he knows it's not good for us. I'm going to tell you, when you tell God, um, you better have it here by 4 o'clock, otherwise I am never going... And God will be like, all right, let's see how that goes. Now, you won't be seeing it for a month now. I'd like to see what you're going to do. What do we call it? Calling a bluff or something like that? I'm going to tell you, don't ever tell God, uh, you better have it or I will never, because God will test that. And you will live the rest of your life to wish you had never said that. Just like the Israelites. Well, let's, let's go to the last verse here. Verse 10 it says, um, nor grumble, be idolater, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. I'm just going to give this to you if you want to look it up later. It's Numbers chapter 14. Uh, the, the setting is that the people were about ready to go into the promised land. And uh, Moses sent spies up into the promised land, and they came back. And there were 12 of them, and two of them were like, this is amazing. This is awesome. God's going to go with us. And then there were 10 of them that said, no, 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 no. There's giants in the land. There's no way on earth we're defeating them. I don't care how big your God is. I don't care who Yahweh is. There's no way we're going to take out those giants in that land. We better, we better go back to Egypt. And it says that the people grumbled against God. These people that had seen him, they'd seen God destroy 
the world power of Egypt at the time and were afraid of going up against a couple giants in the promised land. So they did that. And God told the people, as a result of your hardness, none of you, none of this generation is going into the promised land. You will never see the blessings I had for you. And I'm going to tell you, if you do that against God and you tell God, it better be like this, and I don't, I'm afraid of going against that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. I'm not obeying. Um, you may find a place where God lays the law down and says, you know what? There's some things on earth you're never going to see because of your disobedience. That ought to shake us all up. One of the things that terrifies me the most is the thought that I'll do something in this lifetime and get to the end of my life and have to look back and say, if only I had obeyed in that one thing. Think of all God could have done through my life. And to get into eternity and to see what God could have done with your life. If only you would have obeyed. Idolaters act based on human capacity. Believers act based on divine capacity. When it comes to the gospel, we're tempted to act based on what we can do in our capacity, yet that is sin. When God gives you something impossible to do, it's because he wants to use you. I'm going to tell you, that thing alone may be the single most important thing you hear today. I don't want any of you to fail the test. I don't want any of you to be that person like this generation who never see what God could have done through your life, who have to spend eternity thinking, if only I would have invested myself like God told me to do. If only I would have turned from that sin he told me to. If only I would have stepped out in obedience and done what he wanted me to do. Think of all that God could have done through my life. I don't want that for you. However, if you grumble against God and choose not to believe him, that's what's gonna happen. Finally, verse 11 says, now these things happened to them as an example, he's pulling the Corinthians back in here. He's saying, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the ends of the earth have come. I don't know about you, but as a father, I've thought about what happened if I had to write a final letter to my boys. I don't know if it would, I mean, I guess it could hypothetically be a cancer situation or if it was uh, maybe persecution and I was, in a, I was about ready to be executed. I don't know what could happen. But if I were to write a final letter to my kids, what would I put in that letter? Well, a couple things I would put in there. One is um, learn from the examples of others. Learn from my examples, my failures. Learn from my, what I did right following the Lord. Learn from me. Second thing I would tell them is to have a heart to receive instruction. That's what Paul's saying right here. Learn from their example. Have a heart to hear instruction. And the most important thing I would write at the very bottom of that letter is worship Jesus Christ and him alone and never change. Never let your eyes off that. Never let an idol weasel its way into your heart. Follow Jesus Christ 100% with all of your heart. Many times we say in our service, you've heard us say, we're continuing worship now because everything we do in our service is what? It's worship. In the last few months as we've been going through this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 where it's talking about the weaker brother and I'm going to tell you, the way we worship God sometimes is how we lay our lives down for the weaker brother. That's worship. That's not just doing what you should do. It's worship. When you lay your life down, when you serve, when you care for, when you yield your rights for, a, for another believer to care for them, that's worship. And then the last chapter, chapter 9, 
Chapter 9 talked about Paul's willingness to lay his own life down, how he was so passionate about the gospel and reaching lost people for Christ. That's worship. When you witness to other people in your workplace, when you witness to your family members, when you cry out to God on behalf of them, that's worship. It's worship. And I'm going to tell you now in this chapter 10 as it begins to talk about idolatry and the little idols that weasel their way into our lives that can keep us from being faithful to Jesus Christ, what's the, what's the issue we're dealing with here? Worship. Now he's turning the pulse, pointing the finger at us, our own lives. We've seen a lot of stuff happening, stuff in this generation. But that outline is not written for them. It's written for us. What are the idols in our lives? What are the things that we're allowing to take the place of God and, to, and would keep us from doing all that God wants to do in our lives? Let God speak quietly to your hearts. Tell the Lord, tell the Lord, just tell him this. Lord, I wanna worship you with all of my heart. I don't wanna be like that faithless generation. I wanna follow you with everything I have till the day I die. I wanna finish well. Lord, reveal to me, what are those little idols I've been tolerating? I want to give those back to you. I want to trust you. I want to be faithful. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.